If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Hey, if you've been following me long enough, then you know that I'm the founder of many mastermind groups, including M1. But what does that actually mean for you? Well, it means that there's a group of over 400 people out there that are are high achievers. They're from all over the world, walking different paths, but they're sharing in the principles and the practices of success, holding each other accountable and urging each other through positive peer pressure to take their life and business to greater heights. I'm so proud of the 75 whole life millionaires that I've created, the lives I've transformed, the people I've helped lose weight, quit smoking, stop drinking, and get into the best shape of their life. In fact, I've even helped people meet the love of their life. When you get into a curated group of people that want more out of life, it's so much easier for you to get more out of life. So if you're serious about getting out of your own way and creating a life you're excited about, then get on a call with one of my team members at rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and get started today. All right. Well, welcome to another session of the podcast. And I'll tell you what, this one is going to be a tearjerker for you. I have on the show today, the beautiful, the gorgeous Mindy Kniss, and she is the wife of Sean Stevenson. The, the, you know, the wonderful public speaker, coach, uh, comedian that passed um, several months ago. And we have a heartfelt conversation about her humanitarian work and her vision and what she does to help people accelerate um, their success. We're going to talk in depth about her identity and she's come up with one of the greatest explanations on identity that uh, we've never heard before in the show. And then toward the end, we're going to talk about Sean. And we're going to talk about life with Sean, life after Sean. And it's um, it's a beautiful, one of my favorite episodes. It's very um, heartwarming, tearjerker, etc. But also very, very beautiful. So I hope that you are going to love this particular podcast. So let's get to it right away. And let's listen to my chat with Mindy. So welcome to the show, Mindy. Thank you so much, Rock. Delighted to be here. So I want to dive right into it. Let's get into your background, where you grew up and kind of how you became the person you are today. And we like to talk about some of the things that shifted. So you grew up, you had an identity, and then you evolved through that. So give us your your growing up identity. Sure. So the growing up identity, I grew up on the North Shore of Chicago. So there was a lot of what I would have considered at that time materialism in that area, a lot of material wealth. And I rebelled against that. I was not interested in being that, being part of wanting that. So I went the opposite route and did a lot of nonprofit work, charity work. Uh, I lived in Africa for a while on a fellowship. And that then when i decided i wanted to be an entrepreneur didn't go so well <laughs> from what perspective it didn't go so well well as a business owner 
the uh, whole point in business is to make a profit. Right. And if I was internally so anti that, which of course this was not conscious, but uh, definitely played out in a lot of my business decisions and the way that I was running things. So essentially I had this inner war going on where I'm an entrepreneur, I want to make money. And also at the same time, money is bad. I don't want to be a part of that. So there was a lot of struggle that showed up in my life and we can go into however much detail on that you would like, but um, it was a huge, huge shift having grown up in that world, then going into corporate America, you know, all the things you're supposed to do, get the good job after college, had all that, decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur and very, very quickly entered into financial chaos, made all the decisions you're not supposed to make about money, had everything from foreclosure, eviction, bankruptcy, you name it, I did it. And then having had to work my way out of that and really confront what was going on internally with that mindset. So let's talk about that a little bit because I teach in my mastermind groups the 17 wealth files. And there are beliefs that hold us back on an unconscious level. What did you discover unconsciously that you were doing to sabotage yourself? Yeah, I would say two of the main ones were one, that it had to be hard. My parents both had more than one job my whole life mm -hmm. and worked really hard. And we, we never, you know, lacked for anything, but we also weren't in the, you know, in the, I would say the wealthier area of our, of where I grew up. So that was one is that it had to be hard. I, I was making it way harder than it needed to be. And the second was truly that, I had this feeling and whether it was from my upbringings in early Christianity or what, I definitely had the mindset that it was more noble to be poor. struggle, be yeah. poor, struggle, the whole thing, like that was more noble. So then in my pursuits in business, it, it would be this push pull energetically that obviously does not work out well. Yeah. My mom's like that. We call her a money monk. And her belief is that it's more noble to be spiritual and to be more helping everybody and to not go to a you know fancy place and you should drive a beat down car and right. I thought those were mutually exclusive, yeah, but right? I have found that they're not. So, so how did you do that? What how, what led you to discover that you need to make those shifts? Well, I tend to, like I said, I tend to do things the hard way. So it was a it was a struggle, and this was years in the making. And a lot of that was going through the bankruptcy process because the amount of shame, the amount of just insecurity that came from that process was pretty brutal. I, I had to come to terms with the fact, cause I thought before that, you know what, I'm smart enough to figure this out. I, I should be able to do this and sort this out and, and do something here. And then it came to the point where I, I didn't have any other options, at least as I saw them. So having to admit to myself that I don't have all the answers and that actually in business, it's not about doing it all yourself, which I had that belief earlier on as well. Like I have to do, especially as a woman, I was like, I can't you know, rely on anyone else to build my business. I need to do this myself. I need to do everything myself. So I need to learn everything, which obviously is, a, is a, not a winning strategy. So really just coming to terms and, and being a truth teller about where I was at with my money, where I was at with my beliefs, 
uh, were they empowering to me or were they not? And at that point, a lot of them were not. And then taking ownership of everything that I had created in my life, all those experiences, I, I did that. So really owning that and then saying, okay, if I can own that, I also have the power to choose a new reality going forward. So that's what I had to do. That's awesome. I love that. You know, you, you speak with such clarity now for somebody who came through that. What were some of the things or people that you studied in order to get some clarity and have some new perspectives? Anything and everything. <laughs> Truly, I committed myself to most especially learning about marketing and sales because those were the two things that I was kind of against when I started. I thought, hey, I'm a great coach. People should just know this, right? <laughs> They should just be calling me because I really can help them and I really want to help them and I'm good at what I do. Well, that, again, that doesn't work. So I dove into sales and marketing and I would say some of the bigger influences um, were Joe Polish with I Love Marketing. I mean, even that concept, I love marketing. I'm like, Ugh, how could anybody love? But now I teach this stuff. It's crazy to me. So Joe is a big influence. People like Dean Jackson that just talk about, you know, the writing, emails, the power of the word. And then in my own studies, it's, it's all about the transcendentalists like Emerson with his self-reliance, Henry David Thoreau, Walt Whitman, guys like that. I, I fully agree with and embrace their concept of the universe, energy. You know, we're all here with a very clear purpose and intention and let's get to it. Wow. So now where you are today, where do you end up? like five years from now? What's your vision? Who do you want to impact? How do you enrich the world with this wisdom you've acquired? Yeah, really my main goal right now, and I see going forward the next five or so years, is to help other people who are where I was. You know, back then when I was starting, I didn't know any, I had zero skill in business. I didn't know anything about technology. I didn't know anything about the software or business automation or anything like that. And over the course of the last 13 or so years that I've been in business, I have learned all of that, mostly self-taught, just, just gathered that information. And what I do now is I look back to those people that are just have that dream, you know, they just have that vision, but they're like, I have no freaking idea what to do. <laughs> I don't know where to start. I don't know where to begin. And I'm like, here, let me give you a path. Let me give you a map because I didn't have that. So I want to assist others. So that's really what I focus on now is people that are in either early stage growth or just pure startup with a vision, with an idea. And I'm like, let's build it, let's go. And now that you're an expert in sales and marketing, where are you finding these clients? Are you getting them through Facebook ads, et cetera? I actually don't do any advertising. It's all through just word of mouth, uh, social media, content, marketing, any of those things, but yeah, I, I don't. And that's, that's one thing that that's like next on the list of things I need to pursue and learn uh, is actual advertising. Um, but there's so much you can do beyond that with publicity, PR, all of these different things. And I love all that. So it's all been through that. Who's your ideal client? Oh, my ideal client is one that is hungry. And there's two words that I've really just honed in on with clients these days. It's all in. If you're all in, we can do this, we can do this fast, and we can get you up and running. If you're not all in and you're still on the fence and you're kind of like, I'd like to do this, but bleh, that, that's not working for anymore, for me anymore. I am 
I'm all in with what I'm doing and I need them to meet me there as well. And what are you going to help them build out? Like when an ideal client, they're all in. Okay, that's the side and they bring. But what about what business, what niche? Yeah, I'll give you an one? example of mm -hmm. a client that I'm working with right now. Uh, this person has come through. He came through my coach training program. He's done other coach certification type things, but he's not actually coaching. He doesn't have the structure to actually do that. And when I approached him with this idea, I'm like, look, you have all the skill sets more than you need way more. You're, you're totally equipped at this point. So what we're doing with him was the complete ideation process of what specifically is the problem that he is helping his clients do. How is that going to work out? And then what I'm creating for him is essentially everything that he needs to get started. So website, business automation, email list, all the basic funnel build out, uh, initial email contact sequence, everything like that, because I have all of these things that I can pull together between myself and my network that we can just say, here you go. Here's everything you need to get started. And so we just, it's essentially a done for you service. Turnkey operation. Exactly. It sounds like freaking awesome. Cause I'm pretty people, excited about it. Yeah. So many people are, they have an aspect, right? They're the artist or they know how to deliver a product, but they don't know how to get it out there and package it. And, uh, you seem to have put together a package that can allow people to deliver their talents or do the parts that they're really great at without all the structure pieces. Is that, am I get, hearing that correctly? Yeah. And with speed, that's my favorite part about it. You know, this guy that I just was talking about, he was like, yeah, I'd love to put this together. That will take me months to do. I want to get it going now. I'm like, give me two weeks and we're, we're done. Like, wow. That's awesome. And then do you have packages or do you tailor make them or do you, how do you work that? Yeah, I have a couple different levels at which people can play. Um, the, the most basic level is just a membership. So it's kind of like group coaching. People okay. that, you know, are, are checking it out. Maybe they're getting to know me, getting to know my style, seeing if it's something that they want to pursue more in advance. Or it's also people who have come through my other training programs and they're like, hey, I just want to stay part of this community, part of this, this vibe. So that's a mix of all kinds of different people. So that's level one. Level two is kind of general coaching. And then three is like, let's build it all done for you. Let's rock. That's awesome. So we're going to make sure that we have all your contact information in the show notes and things like that. So if anybody wants to, you know, accelerate and ramp their, their, their business up, they need to get in touch with you and have a discussion. Do you kind of do a discovery call or something with them? I do. A lot of the people that are at that higher level, they're already folks that I know. Like I said, they've come through either yep. they came to my retreat or they came through an online program that I did. Uh, but yeah, if it was somebody just starting out and they're like, hey, want to see what's what's up? I would say, cool, let's see how we can play together. Cool. So where where can people follow you and learn from you anyway? Everything is at lucra.com. That's my website for the business. And of course, I have social media profiles. I also have a podcast, which if you're a fan of Rock Thomas, should definitely listen to because he is on there. That's called the lucrative society found anywhere you listen to podcasts. That's amazing. Let's go backwards for a little bit. You were in East Af East Africa. I was. Um, tell us a little bit about that journey. I'm sure you learned some things there. <laughs> I learned a lot of things there for sure. Uh, I had visited East Africa a few times to Kenya specifically, and I'd always just had a passion for that place, for those people, for that, that community, language, culture, everything about it. I've always loved. I'm not sure where that, where that spawned from. Previous but, uh, life, maybe. 
that's what a lot of people have said, and I wouldn't be surprised, quite honestly, because there's no 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 other rational explanation. Yeah, totally. But um, yeah, then I I won a fellowship to go over there and work with HIV and AIDS initiatives, and it. I mean, I, I struggle for words because it is such a powerful experience where you have these women who would literally do anything to shift the situation for their families, for their children, for their communities. We, they found in their studies that the prevalence of HIV and AIDS along the highway system over there was much higher and they thought, okay, what's going on here? What it was, was that uh, migrant truckers would come through the towns and reach out to women in the towns for you know, a night or a few nights while they were in the area. And what was interesting is these women, these women were not typically prostitutes. They weren't traditional sex workers, if you will. And yet they had no way to feed their kid. They had no way to put their kid in school. So if somebody's coming through and offering some money, they're like, I, I'm going to do it because literally there was no other industry. There was no job. So the project that I worked with, they thought, well, what if we can create jobs for these women? Then they wouldn't need to do these other things. And so that's what we did. We took skills that they already had, beading, sewing, basket ma making, and we thought, you know what, we don't want to make it just this little chintzy, like, hey, I'm in this charity. Can you buy this and support the people? We're like, why not make it stuff that people would actually want to buy? So we partnered with groups like Ralph Lauren and had really, really awesome design work and then tested these women to make sure that, you know, the best were putting forth their efforts, created this stuff. And then we, we were just the middle people who brought the stuff from the communities to the high-end hotels, sold it, and then all the money went back. Wow. Right. These women though, Rock, I can't even tell you, one of them just to come to the testing day walked something crazy like five or six or seven miles through a storm and the storm had completely washed out any sense of a road or anything that was there. So it's mud, it's gross, it's hard, it's wet, disgusting. And she shows up and she's like, I'm so glad I made it. <laughs> it's amazing. Wow. Right? whole different level we think we have uh, problems but these people are their their resilience is epic compared to what we are used to correct we do not have any problems no no we don't um you have a book a best-selling book the heart of consciousness yeah yeah that came from my uh, dissertation research on heart intelligence i was really fascinated with this idea that the the heart the organ of the heart was much more than something that pumped blood but it was actually this, this conscious intellectual being and could make decisions and send messages throughout the body. The research I was able to come across was fascinating, not just on a biological or physiological level, but, but spiritual, energetic, metaphysical. It's amazing. So yeah, I just put all of that together in a little, a little primer almost. It's a very, very short book and it's just essentially an introduction to heart intelligence. Well, you know what? You are a beautiful person with a great mission and it looks like you've balanced a lot of the different parts of your life, your spirituality with your entrepreneurship and you've created quite a transformation. You know, how does one change their identity? How do they go from the influences that they had and muster up the desire to do the work and to shift? So how do you describe yourself today? 
the only thing that that fits into that category is infinite. There's uh, my husband who you know, Sean Stevenson. He passed away last August, but prior to that, on our secret wedding day, he and I had infinity tattoos tattooed onto our wrists. The reason being one was that was part of our, our love, our connection, our you know wedding rings, if you will. But the bigger part of it was that he and I always thought and taught that that's truly the only thing. Like if you just say I'm a woman or if I'm just a mm -hmm. entrepreneur or just a friend or daughter or whatever else it might be for you, well, that definition, you limit yourself. It's limiting. Exactly. So saying I am infinite opens up the possibility. It opens up the potential that you can do anything that you want to do, pursue anything you want to pursue, learn anything you want to learn, be anything you want to be. It comes down to the choice is yours. So what do you want? Who do you want to be? What do you want to do? Figure that out and then just go forward toward that. So it's, it's, um, it's a sensitive subject. Um, just recently happened with uh, the loss of your husband. Um, do you want to talk about that for a bit? Absolutely, yes. So I knew Sean from a distance and then I got to know him better. And the closer you get to this gentleman is the more, um, the more energy you feel to find a part of yourself that you didn't know existed. It's the way I would put it. Um, I spent three hours, I think, in the, in, at, at the house with him. Yeah. And it flew by like this, and we pitched and catched, and we had fun, and we laughed, and we learned, and um, we went to dinner. And he's just such a beautiful soul. I still have notes from things that he said that landed well with me. And, and we're all, as these teachers, um, sometimes you just say it in a way that works for somebody. Absolutely. And he had the ability to do that quite often. He was also, he was also a comedian. He was a lunatic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God bless him for that. Yeah, right? exactly. For the rest of us to be a little bit more playful. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your life with him, your life after him. Yeah. So we met on Facebook as funny as that is. And the reason we initially connected was, was because we were in the same industry. I was thinking business connection. He was thinking something else. <laughs> and at first I was like, whoa, mm -mm, I'm not, I'm like career focused right now. I'm not interested in anything else relationship wise. And he was, uh, he was not having it. He said, Mindy, I have a lot of friends and I, I'm good with that. Yeah. And it, it was very clear that I honor him so much for having very, uh, clear boundaries about what he wanted and didn't want or didn't need in his life. So it started out slowly, I would say, because we lived in different cities and just got to know each other as friends. And that is truly the most enduring thing, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah. in our relationship is, is our friendship. It, it was founded on that and it stayed that throughout. And of course, everything else that marriage brings in. I. I was like, I'm never getting married. I would never move for a man. And then love showed up and... <laughs> How long ago was that? That was in 2009 that we first met. Got together in 2010. So it was the whole of our relationship happened within one decade, which is 
astounding to me because the amount of things that we did, we ended up entering into business together, uh, which was also crazy. And we traveled all over the place. We, we built our business, we built events and programs and all kinds of different things, a podcast. Um, so the fact that all of that happened within 10 years is nuts, absolutely insane to me. And what's it been like since, since he passed? Well, it depends on the day. That's uh, first and foremost. I would say today it's been about eight months. And at first, I will say this, being an entrepreneur and having had the freedom to literally pick up from my life and just leave was to me the absolute best thing. My, my best friend had a second house in the desert outside of Palm Springs. And he said, Mindy, why don't you just go there and just be, be there at, for as long as you need. And so I was able to do that because of my business. I was able to do that because we didn't have children. You know, I didn't have a regular job. So there was no outside commitments and I could fully focus on grieving. So I was at that house for about two and a half months and I was in it. I mean, there aren't words to describe that level of, of pain, of just absolute devastation and yeah, I mean, I, there's, there aren't words, but what I did was I allowed every second of it. I, I did not say, oh, I'm, I'm going to deal with this later, or I'm going to feel this later. I'm going to shove it down or repress it or suppress it or anything like that. I'm going to feel every awful moment of it. And it started coming, you know, obviously at the, at the beginning, it was all the time. And then it would be waves. And I learned that if you could just metaphorically float on those waves, the wave passes. And it, it'll raise you up and you'll feel it and it'll be terrible and awful. And then that wave passes and you kind of get back to quote unquote reality. But um, yeah, it was really, really challenging and grief brain. You know, I think of myself as a very rational, very logical, intelligent person that goes 100% out the window. <laughs> Your brain literally does not work in the same way that it did before. But uh, I kept telling myself that other people have gone through something like this. Other people have lost spouses and they somehow, even though I didn't know how at the time, somehow they have gotten through and continued their life and even gone on to do awesome things and live very happy, joyful lives. And at this point, over the last few months, I, I have seen how I have really come out of that. And I, I put all of that as gratitude toward that two and a half months that I just, I just let it, let it be, let it happen. And so now it's, it's definitely a stage of reset thinking, okay, he was part of this business. Now he's not here. I'm the one here. And he, you know, this rock, he was by far the way more vocal, way more face, if you will, of our company, because he was always out on stage. He was always on social media. And so people knew Sean, and now I'm like, okay, this is still my company and I'm the one still here. And I also still want to honor everything that he was in this creation of this. So it's, it's an interesting time of just resetting myself 
thinking, what do I want? What is, you know, the we that is still us? How does that look? And it's an interesting time. So I'll have to, I'll have to tell you again, you know, in a, in a year or so, <laughs> how that's all turned out. Yeah. Well, good for you. Looks like you've handled it beautifully. And I love the fact that you allowed yourself to sit with your emotions because so many of us have this tendency to push down, block, you know, cover up, distract ourselves. That's pretty beautiful. How did you feel about, um, I think there was a pretty strong outpouring of support afterwards. Uh, how did, how did that play out for you in your mind? It was the most beautiful experience I've ever gone through. I mean, other than marrying him, probably mm -hmm. it was, it, it was amazing to look, especially on social media, just because it's so easy to share and see all these different things for days, maybe weeks. I, I don't remember, honestly, but my whole Facebook wall was Sean. And that wasn't me posting all that stuff. That was everybody posting photos or videos or favorite memories or laughs. And, you know, you mentioned he was a comedian. I think that's one of his greatest gifts that is still so important and so present he would always say what's funny about this and sometimes the first thing is nothing you know nothing is yeah. funny if you if you seek out the answer to that there's always humor in it and he was really brilliant at finding that and then exploiting that <laughs> you know to the nth degree just making it ridiculous there's a lot of funny stuff. So just staying light and positive and people doing that on social media. And I will say this, when we had the celebration of life for him, that was last September, it was two weeks after he had passed and it was on our anniversary. A lot of people spoke and I spoke at the end. And I, I can't even tell you how powerful it was that when I stopped speaking, this whole place, hundreds of people just stood up and applauded and applauded and were sobbing and applauded. And I, it was like just powerful love. Like the universe was just like, Mindy, we all got you. It's going to be okay. That's beautiful. You know, I think that sometimes we forget that what you focus on is what you find. And I lost all my hair to alopecia when I was 40 years old and I had this habit of asking myself what's great about this to direct my focus because life's not what happens to you. It's how you respond. We know that in personal development, but it's a muscle, right? And so for me, it was, I never have another bad, ha bad hair day, right? <laughs> right. I don't have to go to the barber anymore. I save money. Um, and so it created this. <laughs> now is a big part of my teaching is to help people reframe things. But as I studied comedians, I, I looked at they, most people that are really great at something, they have one primary question that they keep on asking again and again and again, because what you focus on, you'll find. And if you're asking unresourceful questions, like why can I not make a hundred thousand dollars? Why can I not get any good relationship? You'll find that. So it does not surprise me that he was asking what's funny about this is I'm sure Jim Carrey and, you know, Seinfeld ask a similar question. What's funny or what's ridiculous or what's stupid or what's silly or whatever. And then they keep on asking it and eventually you seek and you shall find. 
And so are we, are we funny or are we pursuing and finding and seeking the funniness and then playing with it? Because I'm sure there was times he said stuff that wasn't funny. Oh, all the time. <laughs> right. Until he finally, through persistence, got to something that worked. But it was his tenacity to find it that became heartwarming because you could see the courage and the vulnerability required to find that side of yourself. Does that make sense? It's so true, Rock. For his speeches, that's exactly what he would say, is he would get a hint of a story or want to talk about some experience. And his question that he asked himself was, how can I make this funnier? So even when it was hard stuff that he was talking about, he was like, how can I make this funnier? And then he would work on it. I don't know if people know this. They think that a lot of times he would just jump out on stage and, you know, spit out some brilliance, which sometimes happened, but more so he had his journals and he would work it and work it. And then he would say it to me. And most of the time I'd be like, that's not funny at all. And he'd be like, perfect. It'll rock on stage. <laughs> <laughs> like if I didn't find it funny, he knew it was probably really good. And uh, he did. He worked so hard at that. How can I make this funnier? Well, we've all heard the 10,000 hours, but I think people that look at talented people, the people that have hit a level of talent like him, um, they, they forget. They think they forget because they don't see, I have a saying, if you're willing to pay the price of practice in private, you can perform in public like a pro. Yes. And that's what it takes. I just did a 20 minute talk for uh, all of the realtors in all of Canada on a Zoom call this morning. And it was 20 minutes. It's just one of my chunks called say yes and figure it out later. And, but I literally walked around the house refining it for an hour over and over sheets of paper. I know the content, but it's, it's, it's romancing it. It's looking for one other word or distinction or nuance that somebody's going to go, ah, oh. and that's the craft, right? Absolutely. It's like that quote from Pascal. He said, if I had more time, I would have written you a shorter letter. <laughs> you need to be able to refine it and boil it down to the essence. And that takes time and practice. It does. Yeah. Well, may he rest in peace. He's a beautiful soul, a beautiful inspiration, and um, obviously an incredible man to have attracted somebody as beautiful and smart and funny and creative and spiritual as you are. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're just gorgeous. Thank you, Rock, so much. We'll see you all in the next one. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to be Rock's private VIP mastermind guest. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.